0: You're in the Harkoverse. Harkoverse. And welcome back to another episode of Exploring Autotahi, where we meet the Christchurch music community one interview at a time. This episode features Ryan Chin, aka Ryan Fisherman, writer, performer, producer, mixer, and cat lover. Now, not only is Ryan Fisherman a celebrated alt-country hero. But Ryan is also featured with many other brilliant acts, from Ben Woods to Dopra to New Project St. Albans and many more. I met Ryan in his sunny Sydenham home on the eve of releasing his latest record, Country Emo. Without any further ado, it's Ryan Chin. Ryan, Fisherman. Fisherman. Um, and I was thinking back to like... I, I first remember you in Sandfly Bay. Oh man, I know. <laughs> and I, and like I think one of the very first memories I like I know I probably would have seen you guys or even met you before it, but my clear memory of Sandfly Bay and of you is that um that, that final creation show. Oh man, yes. Because <laughs> we came up from Timaru yes. to play that. and yeah. I, I actually remember that was that was a big night. Yeah, Ben told me he was in a band called the River, uh, was it the River, River Jones? Jones? The, yeah, they, I, rem- I remember that band name, but I didn't remember Ben, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, that
1: was his first, well, that's how, I didn't really know him either back then, but that, I believe that was his first kind of band, right? the River Jones, mm. yeah. And I think um, the Transistors were meant to close out, but
0: there were like a million bands on during the day and they all <laughs> ran like half an hour over. It was way too late. And then they, I don't think the transistors ever got to go no, on. No,
1: not from memory. I mean, that, we're talking, that's a long time ago.
0: We were, te- we were still, were you yeah. still in high school? I yeah. was still in high school. Yeah. I,
1: well, that's, see, my first memory of these dancing walls would have been maybe even at the skate park.
0: I remember the like skate a, park a ga- gig, yes. A daytime
1: gig, right? Yes. And I feel like it was you guys in Sandfly Bay. Yeah right. And okay. Maybe I don't know who else, but I just remember it was like yeah, the, this is the hot Timaru band coming up. Uh, <laughs> on the in the like purely due to MySpace
0: because we could <laughs> we 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 could put our music on MySpace and then we could actually message and reach like anyone else and be like, can we can we open can we play for you?
1: It was awesome. I miss I miss that actually. I really miss that.
0: I know Instagram DMs just don't hit the same. So much better when you can have like your top five songs <laughs> on your front page. I always think like, if we, it's, it's great, we're already getting off on a tangent, but I had this thought of like, because did you know most the most common like social media app used by musicians is Instagram? Like it's like musicians favoured social oh, okay. media no, app. I didn't know that, no. Yeah, um, which is odd really because um, it doesn't have any majorly like advantageous features no, for no. musicians yeah. or anything like that but i've always thought like there's this huge hole in the market for just essentially like an art app where it's essentially like little elements of lots of other things including like like um here's a place to like host your music like the myspace front page or whatever mm. um, here's a place where you can like sell tickets or have a subscription or any one of these things here's where to message your like so many different types of artists would, would just like, jump on that and they'd be like, oh good, I don't have to be on Instagram anymore. I don't know. Anyway, someone should, someone should do that. I'm a bit busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to, instead of doing the, like, let's um, tell everyone who you are kind of thing. Um, I thought it'd be far more interesting to like one, try and define what I think are like three different areas I think of you in. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of for you to describe like your experience either like happening during that time or what you kind of feel about it now or that kind of thing. Cool. And I think the f- that we've already touched on the very first one, which is like what was your end of high school kind of all ages scene first musical experiences in Christchurch like?
1: Well, that's, yeah, those are the, that's your introduction, isn't it? Like high school, rock west
0: Yeah, you did Rock Quest, yeah. yeah. Sandfly Bay.
1: Sandfly Bay. Um, we're going back Probably fifteen, sixteen years maybe. Mm. First band, we get together, you you learn, you know, your kings of Leon. You you're, Are You Gonna Be My Girl by Jet? Yeah, right. That's a great record. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's so it's so much fun back then, you know, like you don't you don't have any, any worries and you just do it. And you're shit. But you get you get good. And then after that I kind of just stuck with it and I was like I remember putting on, would put on these like kind of all ages shows because obviously we, you know we were teenagers. Um, with that guy Matt, who who runs uh, uh, what's the Arcadia or something now? Okay, but also no, known know as Otatahi Social Club uh, of Creation. Same guy, uh, really? Did all of that, yeah. Going to have to talk to him. I think. Yeah, I, I think he's still around. I'm okay. not sure, but the thing is, I, I I can remember him so vividly back then because he would help us put on these shows, and and you know. Would sell tickets at school and stuff, but then when I became I don't know twenty, twenty one, it's just you don't do those sorts of shows anymore. Right. They're all just gone. It's like you know, you can you can buy your own alcohol, you can you can put on shows. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a different scene. But that those years, yeah, they're, they're the introduction into into the Christchurch music scene, I guess, and playing at Zebedees and all that sort of stuff. And a part of me thinks that's kind of like actually. When I think of Christchurch music, for some reason, that's still ingrained as what it is to me. Mm. Even though it's, I mean, it might be, but that's that's my first impression. When I think about it, I am like, yeah, that's that's what it was, Mm. you know. And it still must go on for these younger guys. Well, I hope it does because it's it's so important, you know. You really cut your teeth and get into it.
0: Yeah, and with. are there any personalities in the music community that you're still involved with now that you kind of met around yeah, that time? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think through that, I mean, I met like Marcus Stanley, who'd do sound for a lot of those gigs. He had a thing called Media Club and he'd put on a lot of like all-ages shows as well. Um, Brian Ferry and like that, kind of these guys were that, a little bit older than me that I looked up to when I was younger because they were like in their early 20s and I was like a teenager and Brian had a band called Magic Eye and... There's also like um, Matt Scobie and Joe Sampson from T54. Like, mm. These are all the, the Christchurch bands that I think of um, because those are the bands that I listen to a lot and went out to see. Yeah, T54, and then it kind of evolved into Seller Boys, mm. um, Dance Asthmatics, <laughs> you know, all these kind of post Quake bands that are just like still so strongly imprinted in my mind of mm. the Christchurch music sound and scene. And then
0: kind of moving on from that era. I think the next one and one that seems like weirdly brought up quite a lot in interviews with you that I was like reading it more, more than I thought it would be, but it's like the DOPRA era. Mm. I kind of class that as its own separate thing as well. Uh, moving on from the later scene. What was that? What was it like at that time in Christchurch making music and with that kind of group of people?
1: Yeah. I guess it kind of coincided with a lot of those bands I just mentioned, but it was a weird one. Like I, I hadn't actually really interacted that much with Stephen at that point who started Dopera, but he saw me play, I think, in Dunedin in this band that I was in called Golden Orange. And he's like, oh, man, I really like that guy's drumming. And then he just hit me up and we started this kind of like band of people who had never really played together. He kind of just pulled people in from – like he'd seen them play. Mm. you know, And he's like, oh, maybe we should do something. And he started writing these cool tunes. And that band – was like the first band for me that I was like, oh, wow, this is like, this is going places, this is doing things. Right. And it was after the kind of the quakes and stuff, but like that was probably the first band that I'd ever been in that was able to like tour outside of the South Island. So that was a, it was a really different experience for me. Um
0: so, did you feel like part of a scene as that band, or did you feel kind of as its own standalone
1: thing yeah, in the a bit, city? Yeah, a bit of both, I guess. Because, like, I was used to playing in lots of bands at that point, but nothing to that level where I never even really thought that would be, like, it was doable to, like, play in Auckland and sell out a show. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was all Christchurch. It was just, up until that point, it was just like Christchurch, Christchurch, Christchurch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been here. My whole life i've never really lived anywhere else so like i'm pretty well rooted here and a lot of the bands that i've played in have, have all been like based in christchurch mm. and dopra was essentially a christchurch band but yeah we definitely got to branch out a bit with, which was really cool um and you meet a lot more people when you start <laughs> doing shows in other cities yeah. yeah yeah what
0: was what was the experience like post quake in a music scene around that time Do you you have any, like, kind of standout memories or feelings from being a musician, even popping off at that time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I I mean, I hope that doesn't sound too... I hope that's appropriate to say. I mean, obviously, the earthquakes, you know, they were shit, but I think it really actually brought a lot of people together, especially in the music scene. I mean, we lost a bunch of venues and stuff, but when Darkroom started, I remember this, like, awesome feeling of just being, like, you walk in there's like, you know bands would play on the on the ground, there was no stage. It was like really tiny and grimy and dark and it was like but the vibe was so cool. Mm. And people were doing gigs again. And there was like really cool, um I mean we going to like this house party, which was like, you know, something that you you do all the time in your early twenties and when you're a teenager. But bands would just sit up in the middle of the room and just make noise. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it was just like the coolest thing. And I really, really enjoyed that about like the post quake Music scene I think it actually Made people Want to do more shows In like Unusual places I remember doing like um, This one in this warehouse With uh, With Rhett Who had this band called Doctors And Zen Mantra Sam Perry's band And it was so cool Like we're in this Abandoned Like warehouse Like totally illegal thinking about it. Like (laughs) the the guy who organized it was a guy I went to school with and I remember he worked for a construction company and he just kind of got all this fencing and fenced the area off to make it look like it was, you know, like public couldn't come in here. And then if you walked in from off the road, you'd just see like all these people behind this fence like drinking beers and (laughs) like standing outside this big garage listening to music and stuff. and You just wouldn't get that these days, you know, like... There was just all this space and opportunity to put on these really unusual shows, which was really cool.
0: Yeah. So, do you think, you think, you know, it requires a bit of space and a bit of lawlessness in a way or like, yeah, like what... What's changed where you in Christchurch? I guess is the question that you feel like that is less of a possibility now. Yeah,
1: well, I guess we had we had to think outside the box a little bit because we we did have a lack in venues and stuff, and like even gear, like we might have a space, but people would have to get together to throw together a PA or like some right, backline yeah. and stuff like that. So it was yeah. really like, oh, let's head up, blah blah blah. Maybe he's got some foldback we can borrow, and things got some you know front of house and all this stuff, and you'd kind of piece it together. But I guess you know fast forward many years later we've got these venues again and they're far more established um which is really cool and don't get me wrong it's awesome to be playing you know back at space academy um dark room and you know well what was 12 bar which is sadly gone now
0: yeah um because i mean one one thing already in the research for like brian and for yourself and like the reading a lot of interviews that maybe span like even pre quake, but mostly post quake into now, they're all still referencing like lack of venues or <laughs> um, uh, precariousness around venues, mm-hmm. and like it's like I've been reading some like there was an Andrew Barry interview with Brian and Magic Eye where they were talking about like oh yeah we've got a real lack of venues, and I'm I'm like is this article from like this year or is this, out, you know what I mean? So like, it, it's this point where I'm like, uh, it. maybe this just is what what the 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 amount of venues that a place like Christchurch just has. Like maybe we're like, think we're wanting more and we're, there, there always should be more. But like, it seems like now this is just normal.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we, yeah. I don't know if more venues is going to be helpful or better <laughs> in any way, eh?
0: I get, well, yeah, I guess not. I mean, although, like, I did just try and book um, a South Island tour for my band, Fodder. We were like, maybe we should just try and do it, like, November or December. And, like, every venue I talked to was like, oh, yeah, we're booked for four months. <laughs> so, like, have, what, have you looked at any 2024 dates? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, maybe for that. But, yeah, like, for me personally, I would, that's why I found it really interesting you bringing up that one of the post-quake things was playing in more non-traditional mm. venues because that is something that I, as a punter, would really love to see and experience a lot more because yes. I feel like I just kind of kind of have different shades of one single experience with live music, which is like at a bar with a slightly different background <laughs> and lighting system, <laughs> yeah, yeah, But yeah. <laughs> um, which is great. I'm not complaining. But I, it's interesting, like, could any of those... Um, circumstances that led to non-traditional venues being used be um, brought back without another earthquake, <laughs> preferably would be a good way to figure it out. I think so. Um, yeah, because you said in uh, in twenty twenty, you said my favourite spots in Christchurch are Blue Smoke and Space Academy. That was with Under the Radar, and then I think and Blue
1: Smoke's Blue Smoke's gone. no longer. Yeah, it's gone as well.
0: Um, do you think that we have a little bit too much of a um, I don't know, we, we, we're we holding on to experiences and, and, and moments in our lives and spaces like that a little bit too much where it's like venues do just kind of come and go. Oh, totally. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, and I guess you kind of realise that the longer you do music or just the older you get, you're like, yeah, venues come and go, quake or no quake, mm. you know, like there are venues that, I'd never played played in it, but definitely heard of before the earthquake that had you know had been around and then that shut down. Mm. And I think that happens in every city, but I don't know. Eh? It's 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 one of those things that I'm like, I in my like in my checkpoint in time in my life, these are the venues that I'll remember. And for someone else, it'll be something different. But I think there's always some venues that have just been around for a long time, like the dark room. I feel like that's going to be one that's going to be remembered for. You know what I mean? Mm.
0: What kind of venues at the moment you've just come off a tour, and it didn't have to be during this tour, but where you are right now, like what makes a good venue and a good live experience for you?
1: A good venue, I think, yeah, just a place that feels nice to perform in, but also where they they care about. The people who are not only like listening, but also performing. So, like the Space Academy is like amazing because they just make you feel like you're at home. They look after you, they check in on you, they feed you, you give you beers, you know, yeah. all those things that you just want as a as a you know an artist or whatever when you're performing. You just don't need to stress out about things. they they've got it covered. Mm. I think just like a really relaxed environment that's um, also nice to just be in. Those are the main things for me. You know, that can be a living room or a bar. Just something that is like, yeah, you want to be there. You want to perform. You want to feel like this is a cool space.
0: Yeah, cool. And I guess the third kind of area where you are kind of now is, we talked about it before I press recall, but I guess like alt-country Ryan, (laughs) which was probably always there. But I mean, in terms of like what I would say, like output and maybe scene around you and stuff like that, um, because I definitely reconnected with like you musically in the Ben Woods band Mm. and then became more aware of stuff around that. Um, What's that kind of scene be like and is it still happening now or or are things kind of moving again?
1: Yeah. I mean, I get like, People come up to me sometimes and they'll be like, oh, I recognize you from so-and-so, or blah, blah, blah. And there's a lot of different, I guess, bands I've been in over the years. But the whole alt country thing for me was like, we'll just wait for that motorbike. <laughs> um,
0: it's a cool motorbike.
1: <laughs> so kind of around, I mean, yeah, pre-Quake, post-Quake, the whole Littleton thing I'm going to reference. Right. There was a, There was a big kind of country... Um, seeing coming through with um, the East and, and, and Marlon and Delaney and, and all those guys, and I was, I just started my I guess the Ryan Fisherman moniker like, uh, around about the time I'd finished high school and I was like joining Dopra, mm. and I hadn't really done any songwriting before, but that was the sort of stuff that was grabbing my attention. I remember going to like the brewery and seeing uh delaney and marlon play the sad but true album and that and and seeing like um hannah harding play at the brewery with uh simon gregory like this little joyous thing like these little kind of like country shows they're not like full like i mean country's such a weird genre to me like it's so broad but I, and I didn't even really listen to that much country. Like mm-hmm. I think the first country record that I got into was a Ryan Adams one called Heartbreaker. And then it was like Gillian Welch from there and Justin Townsville. And that music, I always, when I got drawn to it, I, it was just something that I started trying to, I guess, recreate in my own songwriting. And then I just kind of got pigeonholed as a country artist. Yeah. And I actually remember I was on tour with Ben Woods and this was in 20. 20- 21 so not that long ago it took me five years to release my record so i was 24 when i recorded it we're just about to turn 25 and i released it uh just before i was 30 or something like that anyway i remember i was on tour with ben woods and the country awards were coming up and they're like it was the last day to submit the record like your your album or whatever and we we're doing sound check, and i was like oh man i just can't be bothered like, I've, I've probably not, it's like, we've got like two hours, it's like closing 4pm, he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you go down to the library, man, like, you should just do that now, we'll, we'll sound check for you, and I went into the library and like, submitted all the shit, like, from my Google Drive and stuff, and I was like, oh, whatever, probably nothing happens, and I got like an email back, like, a month later being like, oh, congratulations, you're in the top three, and I just remember like, replying, being like, are you sure you've got the right guy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like, I just yeah. didn't really believe it. So, and then I guess country has probably uh, been something that people associate my um, solo work with. Um, But also because I've only got one record out. Right. And I'm working on a second one, which actually comes out on Friday. And I think anyone who liked that first record might be in for a bit of a shock. Yeah, right. (laughs) Because it's not country at all. It's titled country emo, but it's almost like me taking the piss, being like, it's not that country, but it's a little bit emo. <laughs> I think for me, I'm just going, going to write what I what I'm listening to or what what grabs me at the time. But yeah, old country. it's a weird one. Yeah, there might be always there, there might be a little bit of old country in all my records, but who knows? <laughs> so do you? I mean, all the people you mention, um, a lot of them
0: are if not not here anymore. And I don't mean like they're dead, but they um are <laughs> <laughs> dead to me they uh they've they've left the city or they're or they're transient in and out mm. um yet it's still referenced so much
1: yeah is that is that weird um no, I don't think so. I mean, I don't find it that weird again, like i just when I think of i guess Christchurch music, that's also a big part of it for me mm. That that's always going to be like another side of things. One thing that I always realized, like doing this and playing in all these bands, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, I know everyone in the Christchurch music scene. I know all the bands. But every year I'm like, oh man, there's actually this scene. There's like a hip hop scene and there's like these, the folk club and it's like, it's actually way, it's so much more expanded than I think. Like, mm. And it's really cool. And then you get older and then you're like, yeah, now I'm just old. And there's like the next wave of like musicians coming through and you just like connect with them as well. So it's like, it's so much bigger than I think. And I think that's actually a really cool thing. You know, I'm always like, oh, New Zealand's so small. We all know each other. And like to a degree we do, but there's also a lot that we don't know.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, There was an interesting thing for me. It's kind of related to that last question is that And I guess it came up for me listening to your RNZ interview with Jesse, where like Dopra was referenced Mm. and as like a successful band, I guess, like critically Mm. or thought of as successful. Mm. And then like a lot of the kind of like Littleton scene is kind of thought of really highly Mm. and is like thought of as successful. There's like this (laughs) narrative of like success, but... I'm wondering if the like experience of being a Christchurch musician who lives and works in Christchurch actually matches up experientially with how people maybe outside of the scene or in media or whatever actually kind of reference it as?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's... So, like, are you meaning kind of people associate that success... And that's all they see? Well, or does do it mean- feel like that all those things were successful? Ah, I mean... And the, the level that they're referenced to you? Yeah, success is a weird one, though, because I don't really think about any of the bands that I've been in as like... I mean, success to me is like doing shows and, and having people... Success to me is like, yeah, if, someone, if I can uh, write a song or perform in a band and someone comes up to me and says, man, I really enjoyed that, then that's success. Yeah, I'm like, yo, that's cool. That's that's what we want to do. Um, in terms of like success on like a, a global scale or like a, <laughs> I don't know, like a financial level, it's it's a weird one. I've never really experienced that. And yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. I
0: guess I guess let's put it a different way. Like, it's it it's m- makes it seem like music and Christchurch gets lots of attention. Mm. But I but does that actually Translate into music in Christchurch getting lots of um, support. As I guess it's attention <laughs> versus support. Yeah, Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, sort. Yeah, okay, okay.
1: Um, yeah. Well, let's look at like, um, uh, maybe like in terms of bands that tour, or like um, bands that get awards, or like uh, achieve things. Maybe the South Island, I'd say, is a a little bit behind the North Island. But I think there's more attention on the North Island. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that because there's less talent down here. But I think there is... Yes, I don't know, the success thing, it's just like it's really kind of stumping me. I don't like to think about music in terms of success, (laughs) if that makes any sense.
0: Uh, It's probably uh, a good clue as to your longevity. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but do you know what i mean like people who uh, it's never a good um it's hard to be sustainable if you're anxious about something completely out of your control is a good way to put it yeah um, which is success is completely out of your control because unless you define it for yourself which you have <laughs> do you know what i mean um <laughs> yeah, yeah uh when did you I guess, like, why are you still here is a good question, I think. Mm, okay. And I don't mean that in, like, a condescending way. No, no, Because no. I've am i elected to move here, too. But I mean in a sense of, like, I think there's an expected trajectory or a stereotype that it, you you grow up, you have your early um, years in in a place like Christchurch, things start happening. And you'd be like, oh, I want to get serious about this. And you move to Auckland or yeah, you move to Wellington yeah. or you move to Melbourne. And and you haven't done that. Do it. No. Why, why do you think that is? I mean, that
1: I totally know what you're saying. There, like, it's funny how many people move away from Christchurch, but the thing I always find is they come back. <laughs> yeah. Christchurch for me has always been a place that I felt really comfortable in, and I've got all the things I need here, and like from friends to family and music. Which is kind of the three things that keep me going in life, and whenever someone leaves Christchurch, I'm like, "Oh, this is a bit sad. Like, we should we should be making this city um, a hub for for artists and anyone really who wants to create here, and it's it's a really good city for that. I mean, my favorite thing about Christchurch is it's like a city that's not a city. Like, it's there's a lot of people here, but you can still find peace and quiet." And do your own thing. And I've just been a big advocate for people to stick around because we need more people who can, I guess, help push Christchurch and progress it, you know. So I've never wanted to leave the city because I think people need to stay in the city to make it and and help it. Not that I'm, I see myself as someone who's helping the city, but I feel like if I left, I wouldn't be doing myself any good and I mean I'm set up like I've been here for so long a part of me of course wants to experience something different but I know that I'll just come back to Christchurch anyway, I'm positive I would you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've seen it time and time again like people leave and they'll come back because they know Christchurch is just, it's the best
0: (laughs) (laughs) We need to send that to the council or something to like get out on some promo material because yeah it's so true um yeah very very true and in terms of being like set set up here like part of that and how i interpret that for you is um your production your mixing your recording of acts here and and playing in lots of bands like where were you all and and you've said on interviews like recording is your favorite thing Mm. i don't know if it still is but i I totally get it obviously you like all sides of music but sitting down and recording music and doing that thing, you obviously really enjoy it. Yeah, of course. When did you discover <laughs>
1: that? Um, I mean, I don't know if I've ever really, there's a moment where I was like, oh, this is it. Because for me, I'm still like, how am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, it was something that kind of, I guess, birthed out of, no one else was really doing it, which just sounds really stupid because... Mm. There, obviously, there were, but I think like for a lot of the bands I was playing in, like we all just kind of learned how to record and write at the same time. Right. I remember like the first band. But we'll go back to Sandfly Bay. We borrowed this laptop off this guy called Ben Smith, who was like a couple years older, such a great guy. He really looked out for us, and he was just like, "I really like you guys. Like, you should record some music." And We're like, "Huh? How do you do that?" Yeah. And he gave us this like really old MacBook that I think we accidentally dropped and like the frame came off or something and he was like totally cool about it but anyway like we didn't know how we were doing i mean we were using the, the little um the built-in mic to record us and we didn't know how to like do the the gain staging so we'd get a pillow and chuck it like in front of the <laughs> computer to try and like dampen it yeah and then that really sparked something where i was like oh, i just really enjoy this like just trying to make something sound like the way you hear it which if that makes any sense, like when you play a guitar and you're like, oh, this sounds so cool. But then sometimes you chuck a mic in front of it and you're like, why doesn't it sound like how I'm hearing it? Yeah, And then you're trying to like recreate that, that, that was something I really enjoyed. And then I guess over the years I was just like, oh, well I guess no one's really doing this. And I, I started working at this studio after I recorded my first record in in Littleton with a guy called Ben Edwards. And he really helped me set this place up where we are now. Like, If you look around in the live room, there's heaps of, I guess, relics and remnants of his studio. Not that it's stopped, but stuff that he had, I guess, uh, excess of. And he was like, oh, you can have this. Here's some old baffles. Here's some old microphones. Here's Mm. some old cables. And um, I started recording. I remember the first job I got was actually this uni band. And they had heard of me through Littleton Records somehow. I don't know. Someone, I think Aaron actually put me, put them in touch. And I was down to my, like, i just quit my job. I was down to, like, I'd, I'd done that thing where you just start selling shit on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit that wasn't even mine. I was in a flat and I was, like, selling old stools and, and shit that just wasn't getting used. And I was, like, down to, like, a 100 bucks or something. And this band came in and they emailed me and they're, like, hey, do you want to record us? And I was, like, uh, yeah, like, um, when do you want to do it? And they're, like, yeah, and how much do you charge and I was like wait a minute yeah I could do this as a job <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah it's been like what five years five years later and I'm still doing it that was in my old flat um and you know I, I think I learnt a lot and I'm still learning that's the thing about it like I'll always be learning I don't see myself as like a professional audio engineer at all like I'm I, I listen to things all the time I'm like god I'm shit but I think Everyone kind of does that. And the one thing I do love about it is you are just always improving. And I love working with bands, you know, new bands, bands I know, old bands, whatever. It's just like such a cool feeling when you can get in there with someone and create music with them. But also if they want that guidance, you're there for them, Mm. which is something I'd never done before. Like I'm just a drummer. But now I'm like, I guess I'm kind of like a producer. I don't know. Like I'm an all-rounder. I know that. Master of nothing, but I'll just give it a go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I
0: think is a great uh, attribute for, a, like, a producer to have. Yeah. In a sense, you know. Um, yeah, you referenced Ben Edwards and kind of learning from him how, mm. like, the importance of making artists comfortable. Yes. Is kind of the main yep. thing. And have what are your, like, go-to techniques or things that you think – techniques is the wrong word, but, like, What's the things that you really focus on when you first have that band coming in into the space that you've found really helps that mission of making them feel comfortable?
1: Pretty much just what we're doing now, we just hang out. And like my studio is in my house. So it's like and the first thing I've experienced walking into the sitting room, which was Ben's studio, I was like, man, this feels like walking into like my living room like 10 years ago when we are just set up in practice. I was like, there's windows you can see outside. Mm. Like That's not really common in a lot of studios. you know. I was like, it doesn't feel like we're in this sterile st- studio environment. And Ben is a master of like, he's such a people person, although he's such an introverted person. <laughs> when you're one-on-one with him, he's just all you care about and he'll look after you and he'll make sure everything's all right. And I definitely learned a lot from that, a lot from him. Um, I'm far more standoffish, and I think like I'm not as uh, maybe outgoing, but I I want people to feel safe and comfortable, and I hope that my personality helps that. Um, I'm not the sort of person to like you know just jump in front of you and say how you going and like yeah, yeah. And, you know give you a pat on the back and, but I'll definitely be like honest and I'll say that was a lovely take. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, how are you? So, for me anyway, in that recording environment, I just want to feel like I'm not thinking about recording. That's what I experience and I try and put that on other people. I'm like, come over to my house, let's just have some fun, put some mics in front of things, see what happens. You're like...
0: Yeah, tricking them into recording something. You're like <laughs> we're just hanging out. I don't
1: just sitting up, I don't know what I don't know what you
0: think I'm doing. I'm just <laughs> yeah. playing with my yeah. microphone. Yeah.
1: Just hold still for a bit while I get this <laughs> microphone in the right position. But yeah, just a really in, relaxed environment. Mm, you know? Yeah. That's that's my um that's my aim. Do you have to kind of be mindful of like keeping it on task sometimes if it like can it get Two lakhs and two. No, I don't think so. I've never really had that that problem. I find actually, oddly enough, working in previous studios, like you do these ridiculously long days, which has become well, had been like a standard. It's like you know, start at ten am, finish at midnight, sort of thing. You know, like maybe have like a a two-hour dinner break somewhere in there. And it's like, I was like, nah, man. Like, let's just do like nine to five, like, and sometimes half days, because like. There's just so many times Where I'd come into the studio And I'm like Man I'm zonked Mm. You know And I don't want to I don't want to be here For another three hours after dinner I just want to go home And not even think about recording And that's kind of something That I've definitely Moved forward with I'm just like Nine to five We clock off You're done Hey if you don't even feel like Finishing like the whole day Let's just not Let's just go home Let's have a break I mean I've worked on records That have taken Like two years Just because we've done Like sometimes one day a, a month You know what I mean So and I'm I'm totally cool with that. I understand if you're like maybe from another city or another country and you're a big studio and like people, you know, come down and they're they're there for a week and you've got to you've got to blast things out. But I think here I don't need to really worry about that. And if you're local, it's just like we do it around life we do it around schedules that, you know, involve kids or or work or whatever. We mm. just make it we just make it work, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, cool. Um are you very comfortable at telling people that that wasn't the take they need to do it again yeah, definitely, yeah cool,
1: yeah. um not in a mean way, uh obviously, I'll try and be as gentle as possible, but it's usually just like you know click on the talk back, I think we can do better mm. let us do a couple more um and a lot of the time you and the artist are on the same level, they know it's a bad take as well yeah, yeah 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 which is which is nice, you know, do you because I have a good
0: friend, um, Eddie Dictaphone Blues, yes, who I love, love recording with yep. Eddie. And, great and, guy. Yeah, um, he has this, um, I hope I'm not selling him out here, but he has this sneaky, consistent behaviour where he will record you and then you'll be like, oh, I don't remember recording these backup vocals. <laughs> and it's just Eddie doing background vocals, but like they're great. Yeah. And, like They, they yeah. always stay, but it's like eddie is so it's partly why i love working with him is he's so excited and into what you're doing like he will just join it because yes. he wants to join yeah. in on it like, and he's an amazing musician and he's yeah. an amazing musician it's right there yeah. like how often do you end up on the and i guess that this is a segue into like how you ended up being a collaborator for so many artists mm. like is that a little bit of the pathway or um how does that relationship work with you
1: yeah so like there's there's so many different types of producers and i think this is probably why i'm actually not a very good producer in the um i guess the, the proper meaning of someone who like sits on the couch and guides directs the music you know i am i kind of have to be involved musically like i can't help myself yeah i will i work a, a lot of the time one on one with an artist and it'll just be me and them and then between the two of us we'll track like everything from drums to pedal steel or you know whatever but i never i'm never like um upset when they're when they don't like something i just basically throw things on it that i that i hear in my head and i say hey here's some things i've done do you like it and tell me if you don't because it's not a big deal if you don't you know like it's this is just how I'm hearing things and then you know sometimes things stick sometimes they don't and then sometimes I just can't really hear anything so we'll get someone else in but I do love to be involved on that level I think that's just because how I also learned how to record like being a teenager and again go back to San Flow Bay we'd learn how to, re- to write and record at the same time it's like they would they were married for me and it's still the same I'm like when i'm working with someone i just have to get in there and like play something <laughs> of you course, know yeah yeah unless it's like a band that has um a very you know finished sound they just want to track something then i'll just i'll be happily just hit record i'll sit there as an engineer but if they want to come in and they want me to produce something then yeah i usually try and put my stamp on it somehow mm. musically yeah and with the collaborators that
0: more specifically i guess you go the extra mile and you're playing in their live bands and you're doing that kind of thing. Is there, have you ever th- thought about or had any insight as to like the common trait between all these people that you play with? Like what, what it is that mm-hmm. yeah. endears these people to you enough to put like, what is quite a lot of effort yeah. Often and Is it is it purely a musical thing in terms of the your connection to the music that you're making with them? Is that something to do with their personalities or them as people?
1: I guess it's a bit of everything, eh? Like to be completely honest, I try and actually like anything I work on in a producer um, you know, format or whatever, I try and not involve myself in, in the live uh performance or the live act. Um, a lot of the bands that I've been in over the years been like friends that I've known for a long time or I've met through through gigs and then I've recorded. Mm. So I've usually started off in those bands and then we've gone and recorded or whatever like that. Um, It's very rare actually that I joined a band after recording them just because um <laughs> I'd probably be in too many bands. I'm in too many <laughs> bands as it is. I feel like it would just get a little bit ridiculous. But that said, all the bands that I'm in, like, yes, I, I join them because... First of all, I love them as people, and that's the main one. And then, secondly, I love their music. Mm. You know, like those; those are the two things. And then, yeah, I mean, I just—I mean, who wouldn't love playing with Ben Woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very
0: not jealous of that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I mean, I seeing you guys play it. Um, tell you what, I, that rainy. Afternoon, where you guys played very stripped back at the Flying Arts. Oh, yo, yeah, yeah. That was magical cool. for me. Yeah. Like, it probably wasn't, I, I you know, I, I've been around music and musicians enough to know, like, that probably wasn't the most ideal or fun show as the musician to play. But as, like, just me just basically sitting down right in front and, like, having, after such a, an incredible record and having you guys play that as well as getting to contrast with the, with the full-on whammy set as well, <laughs> yeah, which was yeah. amazing too. Yeah, fucking, that was so sad. Oh, I, I enjoyed that show as well. Like, yeah.
1: I like those little odd ones that, that don't happen all the time, you know? And it's no. like you're forced into this like tiny space and I'm like, well, I'm not even going to use my pedals, you know? And mm. then you just play something different and Ben's just like totally open to that stuff. And yeah, I think all of us enjoy that sort of stuff, you know, for sure. The, the shows that are unusual you know not the usual sort of thing i think
0: that's the nice thing it's like and why i enjoy artists and musicians that treat live and recording versions mm. of their songs differently even like extremely differently yeah, because yeah. as a as a lover of music oh great I've, i'm now having a different experience exactly of that music right? which yeah. is why i like seeing and why like i love the a night with shows that i do as well because they're often artists on their own or with one other person. I get to hear songs completely different, different than I did yeah. before. And yeah. yeah, I love that aspect of it. Okay. I've got a couple of like short questions mm-hmm. um, and um, it'll be, I think that this will grow. They, they might grow as um, the, the podcast goes on, but for now there's only two. And the first one is um, who you think are someone else or, or other people in Christchurch that I should talk to for this podcast that you think would be interesting.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Ben's not here at the moment. I don't know if you've talked to Ben. He's moved to Melbourne, but he would obviously be up there for me. Um, But I think also kind of actually diving into some of these younger artists that I've met through recording, like um, Sam Bambury, who's kind of this old country (laughs) um, singer-songwriter, or like... Uh, a friend of mine who I've played with a couple times and she recorded here uh, one song. It was like a Christmas song. Her name's Holly Aerosmith. And she is like an insane songwriter. Like She's just amazing. And she would have like a really interesting take on Christchurch music as well because I think originally she's, I mean, she's, I think from, uh, she's got American roots or something like that. Mm. But she's lived all over the place. Um, And again, she's kind of like a, a country artist that a lot of people are like, what, she's from Christchurch? (laughs) She sounds like she's, you know, she's like world class sort of thing. Um, Holly Arrowsmith, Sam Banbury, Hannah Everingham, another really great kind of upcoming artist who is just like so unique and such a cool sound. Um, Those are the kind of the people that come to my mind. I mean, you've talked to Brian, I believe. You can't miss Brian. No. He was, a great, he was a great first guest to have. So, you know. And I mean, thanks for thinking of me, but there's, there's so many. There's so many to list. It could actually just go on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't see this podcast ending
0: for a while. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was having that debate today of like, I was talking to someone like, how often do I, should I put these out?
1: As many as you can.
0: No, no, no. But like, uh, how, how, how regularly? Because that'll kind of dictate how many, yes. how often I'm doing it. And like, uh, some lots of people were like, just do one every like two weeks, because then you know, I'm recording one every two weeks, whatever. But that shocked me. I was like, I thought the like slowest it would be would be one a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know if I could do it every two weeks. But yeah, we have to see what it does end up as because like I think, I think like I one every two weeks would be great. But then, you know, you just listed three or four people. Yeah. And most of them were already on this, what is becoming a gigantic list. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I also love doing it. It's also really fun. So I think, yeah, I I do think it's a podcast that will never end. And um, I really like the fact that it's already, something has in common with the old podcast interviews I was doing is those didn't have really any kind of um, focusing idea or format to them but there were arcs up and down of themes that were emerging and Mm. and people would come on and talk about similar themes and then they might fade in a new kind of theme and it kind of kept up with what people in the community and the culture were thinking about and um i'm already enjoying that aspect of it even two of these in like the like you and brian bringing up some similar themes and some things coming through so i might just get too excited about and just keep it keep it going pretty Pretty rapid I think Yeah yeah I mean Just see what happens eh Um, And the second question is Which Christchurch song Should close out The Ryan Fisherman episode Which Christchurch
1: song Mm. I mean I feel like I've just been going On about Ben Woods too much So like I feel like I've got to Put someone else In the spotlight Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually going to say World Series? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Which World Series song?
1: So they've just released um,
0: the The Giants Lawn.
1: That's the one. Yeah,
0: see, I know. I'm a good. Yeah. I'm a good World Series fan, Ryan.
1: <laughs> World Series, yeah again, they're one of those bands that I think of like I, they're they're pretty well imprinted on my kind of early musical experiences in Christchurch. I mean, I remember them as a two piece and they've they've had so many different transformations over the years. And I love I love the songs and also just love how they're recorded, like what Brian does to them. They just sound amazing. I love the, the band. And I think, in a weird way, I think of Christchurch as like, that's a Christchurch sound for me, which might, which might not be, I don't know, what other people think of. But when I think of Christchurch music, I think of like, yeah, World Series, Dance Asthmatics. T54 Magic eye <laughs> those sorts of bands, so yeah, let's give it towards series their latest release yeah
0: that's funny that that list of bands and what crashash music is is exactly what Brian Ferry said <laughs> Crushash music is as well Oh well thank you for being a guest, Ryan. It was very very My pleasure. easy and fun
1: thank you. <laughs>